VoiceAmerica.com. Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show that's coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile. In the next hour, Dr. Pat showcases some of the world's most influential people in the fields of health, wellness, and human potential. Get ready to live life full out. Here's your host, Dr. Pat Basile. Welcome, welcome everyone. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show, talk radio to thrive by. Thank you so much for for tuning in and uh, listening to the show each and every week. I so appreciate all of the emails that you send uh, and your comments and suggestions. Uh, I also want to thank everyone for their effort to, uh, as uh, my friend Steve Maraboli has said, to let some of the other networks know about the Dr. Pat Show and uh, to let the, the satellite radio uh, network show. We're in conversation with a number of different people, including Clear uh, Clear Channel and so forth and so on. But we want to thank you so much for your effort. Keep sending those emails. We really appreciate it. I want to, I want to tell you a little bit about today's show. Uh, you know, John DiMartini in the introduction said that this was transformative talk radio. And it is transformative. It is a show that will change your lives. Not because of who I am, but because of the people that are doing things in the world one person at a time to create these amazing global efforts to change the way we live in a more positive way. And I have someone with me today that has dedicated his life to making sure that that happens. I'm talking about Roger Schlickheisen. And what I want to say, Roger is the president of one of the most amazing, you talk about transformative, amazing transformative organizations on the planet, Defenders of Wildlife. This is a national nonprofit uh, profit conservative, uh, conservation advocacy group. And what I want to say about this is there is a poster on my wall. If you come into my office, you will see a poster on my wall. And the poster is a poster of two beautiful, beautiful, beautiful animals, two wolves. And many of you have heard me talk about that and about the wolf being my totem. And I'm here today with the president of Defenders to talk with you about what has gone on in the past and what we can look forward to. Uh, Defenders has been recognized as an innovative leader in the fight to protect endangered species, uh, to conserve biological diversity, and to advance other uh, conservation causes. There has been an amazing growth in the organization, one of the fastest-growing environmental advocacy groups in the country. It has grown from 62,000 members, are you ready for this, to more than 500,000 or 750,000 members, and I am one of them. And, uh, you know, Roger comes to the show today to talk about many, many things after an amazing career, he has also served in the Carter White House as Associate Director of the U.S. Office of Management and Budget, and he is here today so that we can open the door optimistically on what we can do to protect our wildlife and this planet. Uh, Roger, thank you so much for joining the show today. Thank you, Pat. I'm pleased to be with you. There's so much for us to talk about. 
but let me start with a question that I ask everyone that I, I've ever interviewed, uh, and it comes from my listeners. And the question is this. Uh, I've just given just a brief, just a brief overview of all that you're doing. And given the work that you're doing and where you are right now, what are some of the challenges, what are some of the obstacles that you've had to overcome to bring you to this very moment? Are you talking about me individually or the organization? I think you could go both ways on that one. <laughs> okay. Well, let me talk about the organization. Uh, the organization is about 60 years old, uh, 60, yeah, 60 years old, and it started as an animal welfare group, uh, but after it got into the uh, business of of working and saving and protecting animals, it realized that our huge problem is conservation and especially the loss of species. And so it has grown over the years, and as you said, over the last 10, 15 years, it's had an amazing growth now to the point where we've got about 750,000 members and, and activists in the country. And I think probably our biggest challenge, is, in, in fact, has been uh, the Bush administration. If I have to look back over my 15 years there, I don't think we've had any more difficult times uh, than the times we've had with the Bush administration since they were elected six years ago because there hasn't been a more anti-environmental president in, in my lifetime, and I'm 65 years old now, so, so I cover a bit of, a bit of territory. In so that, that has been a, a real challenge, uh, and uh, we have also set up, uh, in order to deal with that challenge, we set up kind of an affiliated group called the Defenders Action Fund, which actually engages in elections. So we've been very active uh, actually trying to change the faces of, of Congress so that we can get people that are more progressive in thinking and their, and their outlook in general, but especially better conservationists and better environmentalists. And we were very active in the election just passed and with some good success, I'm pleased. Well, you have had some phenomenal success in this past election. Well, we have, yes. We, uh, it was the first time our action fund, which is a political nonprofit, has engaged in uh, political campaigns at the congressional level, and we targeted uh, 25 different races that had uh, staunch anti-conservationists in them with good conservationists running against them, and in uh, 14 cases we were a factor in helping uh, helping replace those anti-conservationists. In one case, we actually played the lead role. Uh, we had staff on the ground in California, and, uh, and most people give us credit, and which we're happy to take for being the lead uh, voice in a coalition of environmental groups that defeated Richard Pombo, who was the chairman of the House Resources Committee and, and about as fierce an anti-conservationist as you'll find. Well, let's talk about what that means, because I, I really want to give, give our listeners a sense, uh, Roger, uh, when, we, when we talk about what has happened in the past six years. Uh, I, I really want to give them a very vivid visual of what we're talking about. I mean, for many of you that are listening to the show, we're not really talking about, uh, you know, a, a couple of deer that are in the road that you think you have to clear out because you're afraid that they're going to hit your automobile. That is not the kind of thing we're talking about, although I don't know that that's excluded. And so, Roger, you know, what I would like to do right now is paint a picture of what kind of um, uh, just, just, in, just horrific acts, in my opinion, uh, against our wildlife have occurred in these rat and in these past, I would say six to to ten years. I mean, we're talking about poisoning animals. We're talking about uh, flying overhead and annihilating, you know, herds of animals. I mean, could you give our listeners an idea of the extent of of this atrocity that we're talking about? 
Well, it, it does vary quite a bit. The Bush administration has been especially aggressive using the president's executive power uh, to try to interpret the laws in a manner that undercuts it, environmental protection and conservation across the board. Uh, we and some of our compatriots have, have had to be engaged in lawsuit after lawsuit after lawsuit just trying to get them to enforce the laws. And they've had situations where, where they have actually appointed fundamentally industry hacks to a uh, high-level political appointed position. Uh, one fellow named Steve Griles, they appointed uh, out of industry to be the Deputy Secretary of Interior. And you get an idea of how bad they were uh, under his uh, part of his leadership at the Department of Interior because the Inspector General several months ago said uh, reported to Congress that this was a department in which anything goes as, it wasn't, as long as it wasn't directly opposed to the law, uh, and they just did whatever they wanted. Uh, so they were, they've been opening up our land, some of the most critical habitat lands that we have for oil and gas drilling up in, in Wyoming and Montana, for example. Uh, they failed to enforce the Airborne Hunting Act. Uh, Congress in 1973 passed the Federal Airborne Hunting Act to, to stop the act of, of shooting and killing wildlife from aircraft. Uh, but Frank Murkowski, a Republican governor of Alaska, uh, appointed a board of game and got the state legislature to pass a law where, as you said, they actually were annihilating uh, packs of wolves from the air, uh, shooting them from the air. And we petitioned the, the federal government under uh, under the Bush administration to try to get them to enforce the law, and they refused to do so. Uh, twice we assisted groups in Alaska to pass ballot initiatives in order to stop the hunting up there, and they passed them, and they both times after two years, the state legislature, which is controlled by a lot of the big game interests up there, overturned the citizen pass laws and went right back to it. And so now, to this day, they're still getting, uh, they're still shooting uh, wildlife from airplanes up there, shooting wolves, and the law is actually written so they can actually shoot grizzly bears from, from the air, too. But well, it goes on and on and on. I mean, they didn't enforce the laws to protect manatees in Florida. Uh, they, it's, it's, it's a long, long, long story. Well, it's a long story that I think that many people, uh, at least through my show, I, I really want them to know about it and also to know about what Defenders of Wildlife is doing to really, uh, really look and monitor and really be the oversight for those of us that are not out there every day. And for people that are tuning into this show uh, right now, I, I want to mention that we're here with Raj, Roger Schlickheisen, and we're talking about the phenomenal role that Defenders of Wildlife plays in ensuring that wildlife conservation, uh, you know, is strong and we keep species from becoming endangered. We've got much to talk about today. We've just touched, you know, Roger, we're just touching on some of the the the, the things that are going on that, the majority of the people uh, don't know about, but many more people know about thanks to your organization, by the way. Well, thank you. No, it, it has been a difficult fight. I want to say it, it all, isn't all gloom and doom. One of the things that happened is, is uh, when the Congress uh, fell into anti-conservation hands some years ago, too, there was, a, there was a partnership set up between the administration and the leadership of Congress that made the last six years really hell uh, dealing with these folks. But the environmental community, which includes not only defenders but a number of other groups that I'm sure your listeners are aware of, 
pulled together in a way we've never pulled together yes. before, and we actually stopped a lot of the bad legislation. People think it's fundamentally a miracle that after six years and now a change in Congress, we were able, for example, to stop them from drilling in the Arctic Refuge when that was something that the president declared he was going to do before he even took office. Uh, and we managed to stop them, and they were going to eviscerate the legislation that is the Endangered Species Act, and we managed to stop them from doing that. Uh, and there were proposals to begin to sell off some of our national parks. They never managed to do that. Uh, to sell off uh, Forest Service land to mining companies, we managed to stop them from doing that. Uh, and proposals to begin to drill again off of the shores of the of the east and west coast uh, and on what's called the outer continental shelf. And until until just a couple of days ago, we were we were successful in stopping all of that. But this Congress, as it went out of business, one of the last acts it did in this huge bill that it passed was to open up 8.3 million acres for drilling in the in the Gulf of Mexico, unfortunately. But that's really one of the few legislative battles our community has lost in these last six years. It's been a, it's been a miracle. Well, we're going to talk about that when we come back from break, because you and I know that it is the challenges that escalate and, be, and are put in front of us that cause us to rise to our greatest potential. And we're going to talk more about that. We're going to talk more with Roger about Defenders and how you all can be involved. We'll take a short break, and when we come back, more with the Dr. Pat Show, Talk Radio to Thrive By. I'm Dr. Pat Basili, my very special guest today, Roger Schlickheisen, President of Defenders of Wildlife. We've got lots to talk about. We'll be right back. The Authority and Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. Kuna is ancient wisdom taught by the Kahunas in Hawaii. Ancient wisdom, modern application. Huna is about empowerment, about increasing your spirituality, energy, and metaphysical healing power. If you could experience and connect physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually with a higher power, that can empower you to bring into your life whatever you desire. Join the kahunas that carry the teachings of the past at our 33rd Kuna Workshop in Kona, Hawaii, September the 9th through the 17th. Call 800-800-MIND or visit kuna.com. Mention the Dr. Pat Show and receive a special discount, the Empowerment Partnership. Whatever you think you are, you're more than that. Hi, this is Mark Victor Hansen, and you know me for the chicken soup for the soul, but right now I want to tell you that you've got to listen to my friend Dr. Pat. If you want insights that are out of sight, if you want to go to the next level in your life, you keep listening to this show, because she is so kind and generous that she even lets me recommend my website, markvictorhansen.com, and if you go there, we want to give you goodies. But Pat is giving you the goodies of a bigger, better mind-brain complex, so you can get results that have results that are residual, so you get to have money freedom, time freedom, spiritual freedom, relationship freedom, and go to the highest level, which she's teaching you, which is your genius freedom. The Sacred Romance is a new CD produced by Ava and Dennis. It's not love in a romantic way. This music is straight from the heart and celebrates the light within us all. This music provides a welcome haven for the soul in these troubling times. 
To receive the CD or see Ava and Dennis live, visit www.thesacredromance.com or call them at 888-62-DREAM. I'm Dr. Pat Basile, the host of The Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Let me help you take your empowering message to a community of people looking for products and services that value all life on earth and tap into the one true freedom we have, the freedom to choose. Let our listeners choose you. Join the buzz and be the buzz. Sponsor the Dr. Pat Show. Call me at 206-523-5522. That's 206-523-5522. The powerhouse of Internet Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5788. Now back to the program. Here's Dr. Pat Basile. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the show and supporting this show over the years and continue to be a power to be reckoned with. Now, we're here with uh, Dr. Roger uh, Schlickheisen. And uh, what I wanted to say, he is, as I said before, the president of Defenders of Wildlife. He is also the president of Defenders of Wildlife Action Fund, and that is a political nonprofit that we are talking about as well. Uh, and that, that nonprofit works to elect a pro-conservation Congress. And we're here right now, Roger. Uh, we're talking a little bit about some of the efforts that you have put forth uh, to create a shift in the Congress. And uh, I think that it's time to have a conversation about what that shift is, what it means, who are the folks that are, are coming to the table, and who are the folks that are no longer with us. And, and all of that is in the spirit of, of, of the work that you've been doing. You've got to feel somewhat uh, excited. What is it, relief? What? Well, it is, but in large part it's relief because we've been such a, they're going through such a nightmare now for actually 12 years and especially the last six with, uh, with George Bush there. And, you know, I guess the one perspective, uh, Pat, is that uh, there was a time when the environmental movement started in the 1970s when protecting the environment and engaging in good conservation practices was really recognized as a bipartisan effort. Uh, and that's when we made so many of our advances. And what really happened, the thing that changed this around, was the 1994 election when uh, Newt Gingrich came into, uh, came into power. And more important than Newt Gingrich was Tom DeLay, who's now the disgraced former uh, Speaker of the House of Representatives. And what he decided was that he was going to make his party the party of business, and he wasn't going to discriminate. Whatever business wanted, whatever the extractive industries wanted, was something that they would be for. And, of course, that flies directly in the face of good conservation practices. And at that point, the battle became one that was really much more of a partisan one than it had ever been before. And we've got to get it back to the point now where protecting the environment is regarded as being something that something that people from all political parties should, should support. And the good news about the election is that while uh, we, we aren't back to the point where it's bipartisan yet, this election put in in power a lot of the people who are good conservationists and perhaps most importantly of all it sent a message to those in the other party who weren't good conservationists that were taking names and taking notes and were going to be after them if they don't change their ways well i think people are paying attention because uh... of, of uh, largely for uh... on the part of your organization and organizations such as yours 
I think the issue has gotten um, to the point where people are understanding that this is an ecosystem and that this is not just a matter of uh, a couple of wolves running around that are, you know, maybe bothering you, that there is a delicate balance here. And your organization is brilliant in the way that you allow people to learn about what that very, very delicate balance is. Maybe you could say a little bit about that, because I think for most people that may not be familiar with the magnitude of what we're talking about, who might be listening to this show, Roger, and saying, oh, you know, there she goes again, <laughs> talking about me, of course, there she goes again, overreacting uh, to, to the situation or something like that. And we're really not. I mean, just when we talk about wolves alone and the, and, and the importance of them, uh, we're talking about something that really could change the balance of what, well, we're, what we're about. Our organization, as you introduced us at the beginning, is one whose mission is to try to protect and conserve and restore natural biological diversity. And that's all of the living things on Earth and the way they interact uh, to supply all the ecosystem services that we enjoy and which which support life on Earth and human life on Earth. I mean, it, it, whether it's it's uh, controlling the air that we breathe or, or disposing of the waste that we put into the soil, keeping the water clean to drink, uh, pollinating the, the various plants that need to be pollinated to provide for our food supply, or providing direct products to us. It, it is that biological diversity that supports our way of life. And it's interesting, there's been for, there's been decades now, people have recognized that there is a mass extinction going on on Earth of, of uh, wildlife species. Probably the first mass extinction that's occurred in the last 65 million years, uh, since the, uh, since the, uh, uh, end of, 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 uh, uh, the, the dinosaurs, uh, caused by the, the big, uh, meteor crash into the Yucatan Peninsula. Uh, so, and this is the first one that's man-made caused. Uh, so we have got a mass extinction problem that, that's going on right now, and the reason we have laws like the Endangered Species Act is to try to control that. Uh, so when you think of individual species, it all seems that whether you're saving species here, you've mentioned the wolf a couple of times, whether you save this important species that is kind of an eco-manager manage, of, a, of, a, of, a, of, a, of an ecosystem that's really healthy, or whether you're saving uh, the sea otter, which is a keystone species to keeping the oceans, uh, our ocean coastal waters healthy or not, it seems like an individual thing. But all of it adds up through cumulative effects to keep a healthy planet and to keep our natural biological diversity in place. Uh, back in 1991, when the first President Bush was, uh, was in office, uh, his science advisors uh, were asked what really threatens the planet in the long term. Uh, and they identified four things. One of them was global warming, but right alongside global warming uh, was loss of species and loss of natural habitat, which is together forms biological diversity. Uh, and the other, the other one was uh, was uh, the o- change in the ozone layer, a problem we have made uh, some progress on. But as your listeners know, we've done almost nothing to deal with the problem of global warming, and that's something that we hope that the new Congress will begin to recognize. Uh, and we've done even less uh, in terms of saving species and saving habitat. Well, one of the things that I think is mind-blowing to me is, uh, you know, as we, we sit in, you and I are sitting right now uh, almost complete opposite points of the country. And uh, and in, in the places that we sit, it's clearly obvious to us uh, 
that there is something going on in the environment, something that is clearly shaking up uh, the pattern of, of what's going on in terms of weather. Uh, we're talking about places that uh, haven't gotten rain, the kind of rain we have now. We're talking about shifts in, in, in what people think are very subtle changes in the environment, but really they're not. I mean, we're really talking about a, a delicate balance here of our system, aren't we? Oh, it's, it's exceedingly fragile, and I, and I think uh, regardless of the political persuasion of your listeners, one of the people they ought to thank right now for the fact that the country is beginning and the media is beginning to recognize the horrible threat that global warming uh, poses is Al Gore, who's yes. giving some of his best service to the country now that he's, uh, he's not a candidate and he's not in office doing anything, but he's raising our awareness of this horrible problem. And, and we have hopes. Uh, you know, we still have... Uh, the same president in the White House, unfortunately, and and he is as stubborn uh, on environmental issues as he is on other uh, public policy issues, national and international. So we don't know what he's going to do himself. But in the Congress, we now have people uh, in Congress, a majority in Congress, that recognize these big environmental threats uh, and are, are likely to try to begin to do something about it. You, you mentioned a little while ago about what difference uh, the election made. It is really unfortunate that so many of our citizens persist in believing that elections really don't matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I want to give you, uh, just name a few uh, members who are not going to be in power now and the people that are replacing them in power and give you an idea if you'd like me to do that. I would love, to do, I would love for you to do that because what's important about the shift is less about the person and more about what they stand for. Well, what, let, let's as a surrogate for what they stand for, let me tell you, when I name these people, I'll tell you the Defenders of Wildlife Action Fund puts out an environmental report card on these people. And if you look back over the last three years and look at the grades they had, I'll give you that score and the name, and I'll tell you who's gone and who's replacing them. Uh, we were instrumental in replacing the chairman. We defeated the, the chairman of the House Resources Committee, Richard Pombo, whose score was a zero. Yes. He's replaced as chairman by Nick Rahal from West Virginia, whose score is an 80%. The chairman of the Energy Commerce Committee, Joe Barton from Texas, his score was a zero. He's replaced by John Dingle from Michigan, whose score is a 95. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the... Uh, at the Interior and Environmental Protection Appropriations Committee, which provides the funding for these various agencies that work on the environment. Uh, the chairman had been Charlie Taylor from North Carolina, who had a 0%, and uh, he's replaced by a congressman from Washington State, Norm Dix, whose score was 84%. And the same thing is true on the Senate side. Uh, one of the biggest uh, opponents of doing anything about global warming is a fellow named Jim Inhofe, who is a senator from Oklahoma, and he was the chairman of the Environment and Public Works Committee. He's the one that's famously quoted again and again and again as saying that this, the global warming is the biggest hoax perpetrated on the American public. He has a zero on our scorecard and is replaced by Senator Barbara Boxer from California, who has a 91% on our scorecard. So, and it goes on and on. Elections matter. Uh, and they certainly mattered this last time around. And so this is what gives us hope uh, that we're going to be able to see a Congress now, uh, whether the, 
the, the executive of our country will follow, we don't know. But we're going to see a, a Congress now that finally is going to move towards enacting what the Americans really want, which is a clean, forward-looking energy policy. Well, Roger, we've got so much to talk about, and I, we're going to talk more about this shift, why it's important. Uh, as we uh, come to our next break, you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show, Talk Radio to Thrive By. My very special guest today is Dr. Roger Schlickheisen, President of Defenders of Wildlife. We're talking about changes. We're also talking about a level of awareness that each and every one of us needs to be at so that we can make decisions, especially in our voting power, on decisions that will save our ecosystems, that will save this planet. I'm Dr. Pat Vasily. We'll be right back after this break and more with Roger and Defenders of Wildlife. Stay tuned, everyone. The powerhouse of Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. NCD, a new oral detoxification product that reduces the effects of environmental toxicity and can help millions across the globe. Natural Cellular Defense is an effective oral detoxifier, a tool in the fight against toxicity. Join our Copious Health team to raise awareness about environmental toxicity and this safe new product. Go to copioushealth.com or call 206-423-6596. That's 206-423-6596. Copioushealth.com. Okay, everyone, listen up. Dr. Pat brings you her favorite organic wines from the Organic Wine Company, direct to you for this limited-time special offer. Would you like to enjoy the luscious taste of natural grapes grown with love for the land and tantalizing your taste buds at the same time? Well, Dr. Pat has selected three of her favorite wines for only $49, a 40% savings. Visit www.thedrpatshow.com and click on Dr. Pat's Picks for this special offer. Or you can call 1-888-326-9463. Your mission, if you choose to accept it, is to discover what's preventing you or your business from obtaining your goals, dreams, and vision. The Inquiring Mind is your partner. Listen Fridays at 11 a.m. as Stephanie Durham, professional life coach, presents ACEs. Authenticity, choices, empowerment, and success. Spanning 25 years of successful business tenure, in addition to over four years of training with Caroline Mace at the CMED Institute, Stephanie's authenticity and vast knowledge helps you objectively explore wise choices with her finely attuned facilitator skills, leading you to personal empowerment and ultimate success. Do you know you have power to create what you want in your life and in business? You do. This message will self-absorb in five seconds. information, call us toll-free at 1-866-461-6463. Time Magazine says NLP has untapped potential for treating individual problems and is becoming an all-purpose self-improvement program and technology. Come experience NLP for yourself at the Empowerment Partnerships Accelerated NLP Practitioner Training in Seattle, Washington, October 8th through the 14th. Since 1982, the Empowerment Partnership has taught thousands of people like you create critical transformations in areas that count most, relationships, health, wealth, and state of mind. If you want to increase your creative energy, get control of your life, and enjoy new levels of existence, call 1-800-800-MIND. That's 1-800-800-MIND. Or go to NLP.com. That's NLP.com. Mention the Dr. Pat Show when you call to receive a special discount. Bringing you around the world right from your desktop. 
VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5788. Now back to the program. Here's Dr. Pat Basile. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you want to find out more about my show, uh, let me just tell you that we are on almost 11 hours of live radio uh, a week. You can find out the dates and the times that we're on. We're on Monday through Friday in Seattle and in Tampa, St. Pete area, uh, as well as on Voice America right now and on Health Radio Network, which uh, airs in Seattle, Chicago, Boston, and in Huntsville, Alabama. So there are lots of things to find out. Also find out more about my sponsors. You'll be able to see a link on the website to my very special guest's website, Defenders of Wildlife. Today I'm here with Roger Schlickheisen. He is the president of Defenders of Wildlife. We are talking about many, many things, but we're talking about what we might expect now, what we might expect from the next Congress regarding environmental issues. And really, you know, the question for those of you listening, uh, where are you? Where are you on, on, on your thought process? Do you believe this is one of the world's greatest hoaxes? You know, is this a hoax? Is this something that we've conjured up about global warming? Is this something we've conjured up about our wildlife and the ecosystem? Where are you? I'm hoping that this show will enable you to ask that question and get out and do some research and find out exactly what's going on because we don't make this stuff up. Roger, thank you so much for joining the show today. Sure, I'm glad to be with you, Pat. Well, as we were talking about during the break, there is there is so much to talk about, uh, especially if you know we have this this let's let's call it an exit for people that don't want to deal with the environmental issues to really call global warming a hoax. But let's talk about that for a minute because there is there is some evidence that it's not a hoax, and you've talked about. Uh, Al Gore and the work that he's doing, of course, that film is phenomenal. And I was talking with you during the break about how media is coming to the table with very powerful messages, messages hidden in films like Happy Feet. Oh, absolutely. I'm, you were telling me about Happy Feet, and I'm going to get right out and see it myself. <laughs> they're, they're, it's a very important role that the media plays, and, of course, it's not just the environment. It's all of our public policy issues, and without getting too political in the commentary here, I mean, a lot of the, the, the media is engaging in a lot of self-criticism right now, looking back over the past six years and some of our ill-advised foreign adventures here and, and acknowledging that, that they didn't play their role, that they didn't demand enough information up front. They didn't ask, uh, you know, why we were taking these actions that we were taking. Uh, but the same thing's true in the environment and conservation. I mean, it's it's very hard as an advocate. I can tell you what the whether it's Defenders of Wildlife or one of the other national groups or, or the local and regional groups that work on these issues. One of the most important things to help you advance your cause of protecting the environment is getting the media to recognize its importance. Because our organizations are all citizen-based, and, and Defenders of Wildlife, for example, exists primarily on a lot of $50 checks per year that, that uh, our members send in. That money only goes so far in, in doing all this, and so you can't buy the media. You have to convince them uh, that your story is important and they ought to be covering it because they're the ones ultimately that move public opinion. 
And finally, what's happened now in the case of global warming is it isn't that the scientists finally get it. The scientists have seen this problem coming for a long, long, long time, and notwithstanding a few exceptionalists out there who would argue the other ways, there's been pretty much a scientific consensus that this is a huge problem, a, a life-threatening problem to humanity. Uh, but it's been the media that has been so slow in beginning to give it credibility. Uh, and finally, they've begun to do it. And I think that the Al Gore movie came at exactly the right time, and they've been picking up on it now. So I think the media is now working uh, in in favor of the public and dealing with this important problem. Well, I think, we're, you know, everyone's kind of getting on board because, you know, there's one thing, uh, and thank you for sharing that, Roger, because uh, one of the things is, you know, you, you pointed to the scientists that have known this for decades, people that, you know, have been watching us kind of creep along here and not pay attention. And I, I can only imagine how difficult it is for those folks to sleep at night <laughs> sometimes. Well, they look back on it, and I'm sure that they're kicking themselves on, on, on a number of things. I mean, whether it's the, the war in Iraq or whether it's global warming, and they're saying, I had this evidence and I could have asked these questions earlier and I didn't. There's a huge responsibility they have, and in, and in these two cases, uh, that took them too long to come to the... Uh, come to the recognition that uh, that they should be reporting these things and, and and challenging. Well, and that's what we're talking about here now is a new level of awareness. I mean, I've interviewed a lot of different people uh, in the time I've been on radio, and we have a very very uh, powerful lineup uh, coming in 2007. And one of the things, it's a reoccurring theme. It's the theme that you know you've brought to the table today. And that is to raise the level of awareness so that at least we have people asking questions. And that's, and that's, you know, back to the election, that's what we did in the case of the election. Uh, there, there has never been an election in anyone's mind where the environment and the environmental movement played such a heavy role as it did in, in defeating uh, Representative Richard Pombo, who is the anti-conservation chairman of the House Resources Committee from uh, California, the Central Valley of California. Uh, he didn't think uh, that our issues would play and that the environmental movement had the strength to oust him, uh, but we did. Uh, and that has sent a, sent a tremendous message now into Congress that the people will respond to that. And, and, and whether he thought so or not, uh, his constituents, which include a lot of people in an agricultural section of California, care a great deal about the environment, and they re- objected to his extremist policies. Uh, to eviscerate the Endangered Species Act, to drill off the shore of California, to open the Arctic Refuge, to sell national parks, to sell forest land to mining companies. They objected to that. Uh, and uh, as a consequence, he's not going to be here anymore. Well, and more and more people are getting on board. There's a story on your website, and I want to take a minute to make sure everyone has the website so that they can find out about all of the things that Defenders of Wildlife is doing. It's so important. And to figure out how you can become a member as well, uh, let me just give you the website, defenders.org. <clears throat> it's that simple, defenders.org. And if you go there, there are many, many things you can look at. You can find ways to contribute. You can become a member. You can look at the articles. You could look at the publications. You can go to the newsroom, take a look at some of the phenomenal things that are, are being talked about. Yesterday was my birthday, and I was in the website, and I ran into a, an article that you have on there, and I was shocked. I was absolutely shocked. And the article that was up there, Roger, had to do with uh, county officials forcing private property owners to poison wildlife. Oh, yeah. Now, you and I would sit back and say, okay, 
yeah, that's not that unusual. We understand why things like that are happening. But what is really unusual is that uh, a few of the landowners refused to do it. And they were going to be forced to. <laughs> and they were going to be forced to. And so what I want to focus on is the people that are stepping up and saying, no, we won't do that, because in the, in the California election, those are the people that have stepped up and said, no, this is not okay. No, that's that's exactly right. And when you reach them, when you reach out to them, and you know, as the environmental movement did in the case of this particular race in California, that was so important. They do respond. Uh, there was some question going into that whether environmental community was were good spokesmen. Uh, the, some of the far right in our political process had demonized environmental movement and, and environmentalists and environmental groups to the point that they thought that people might not be responsive. But they were incredibly responsive when we went in and we did focus groups in the middle of this this California agricultural district people would uh, would talk about these groups and they didn't know who was sponsoring sponsoring the uh, the focus group and we'd ask them and they saw big oil clearly as being a special interest but they saw the environmental community and defenders of wildlife as being a public interest community uh, and and one that was doing work that was important to the community and to the public and they distinguished quite clearly in their mind between a special interest and be, and between the public interest, and that's what we're all about, of course, is the public interest. Absolutely. And you know, Roger, one of the things that I want to mention right here before we go to our next break is that I had a conversation. I have listeners from all over the world, and I, I had a conversation with one of, you know, uh, not one, actually several of my, uh, my, my friends in California. I went to school down in California. And, you know, one of the things they pointed out to me, and I want to say this right now, one of the things they pointed out to me is some of the issues that are raised, some of the issues that you shine the light on, transcend politics. They transcend politics for a lot of people. What they said to me in, the, in support of what you're doing is that it's the efforts that you all and organizations like you have made to shine the light on the truth, you see. That's what they really honor. They honor the fact that they can get information from your organization and organizations like yours where they can find out what's going on. Once they have that information, the decision for so many people is really clear. That's right. And that's that's what I think you've done. You've created a, a level of awareness for people to make intelligence decisions that transcends their political party agenda. That's right, and that, and again, I keep referring to this one particular race in California, but that's exactly right because uh, the congressman that's replaced his party had a seven-point registration advantage, and he still lost. In fact, he lost by six and a half points. Well, and this is what we're talking about, you know. For those of you listening here to the show, uh, we're talking with the president of Defenders of Wildlife, Roger Slickhausen, and we're talking about the change that is in the air, the change that. Uh, will create an opportunity for us to get to a new level of consciousness, a new level of awareness of what each and every one of us can do to make sure that we preserve the environment, that we're, we're uh, you know, on board with some of the actions, some of the legislation that is happening that really put us at risk, not just as, uh, you know, losing a, a, a few trees here and there, but as a, a species. And so uh, we're talking to Roger and, and really shining the light on some of the changes that have been made. But what I want to say, Roger, before we go to break is that, that the fight is not over. 
No, not by all means. No, the I mean, fight's we, not over. We have a new opportunity now with uh, with different people in charge of Congress, but we still have the same president, and, and these people that are in Congress now that are in charge have to prove themselves. Uh, they've been given an opportunity, and they have to prove that, that they're the ones that should be in charge now. And one of the ways that we should judge them is what they do on issues like global climate change. All right, when we come back from the break, we're going to be talking about some of the upcoming issues, how you can be involved, uh, what uh, what defenders uh, can do for you, what you can do for them, and what you can do for all of us, more importantly. I'm Dr. Pat Basile. We'll be right back after this short break. <clears throat> Well, Roger, I thought we were going to break, so uh, I'm wondering uh, maybe they just want us to keep talking about this. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fine. That's fine. Si- silence is golden. Maybe we'll so just you- skip the break today. And silence go is con- golden, and your listeners just had a little bit of golden uh, silence. <laughs> Are we in a break? Let's skip the break. I love that. <laughs> that's what I love when we're just heating the conversation up. You know, let's just skip the break. And let's talk about some of these issues around what people should be mindful of, okay? Because, you know, here we sit. What are the kinds of things we want to say in this next segment that says, okay, these are the things you have to pay attention to? Well, I think, uh, I mean, there's a lot of it. We're talking about environmental and conservation issues uh, here on this on this program, and there are a lot of them. But I, but I will be the first to say, along with my colleagues in the environmental movement, that there is no more important issue right now than global warming and beginning to do something about that. So, what your listeners ought to be doing is, to whom, no matter who your congressman is, your your member in the House of Representatives, or your two two uh, senators from your state, what they ought to be doing them is to tell them they want to see some action to deal with global global warming, and and there. There isn't a specific plan at this point that everybody has to sign on to, but clearly we know what the dimensions are. We need an energy plan that's a forward-looking plan. We need it to reduce oil consumption. We need it to increase energy efficiency. We need it to boost clean and safe renewable sources of energy, and we need it to cut the pollution that causes global warming. And that's what we need. And eventually when we get into the new Congress, and they're going to start early in January, that's going to be on the agenda, and we're going to be able to see some legislation that begins to put that in practice. And all of your listeners ought to be very vocal in in supporting that legislation and forcing this Congress to do something, uh, and then more importantly, forcing this president to accept it uh, and not veto this legislation that begins to deal with this life-threatening problem that we have. Well, I think there's been such a level of awareness uh, that, uh, uh, you know, the the power of the people and their voices have been heard. It's It's one thing to be sitting in the background, Roger, don't you think, and not have cast a vote and say, I am for the environment. It's another thing to have cast a vote and say, okay, now that I've come out and I've cast a vote, I want to make sure that my vote counts. And so there are millions of people now that have stepped out and have cast their vote, and they're going to be watching. 
No, I think that's right. And, uh, and I, again, I think there was a message. This was a, this was a message election. Uh, it was a message for the White House, and I think it's a message for the Congress. And we're going to see now over the covering months to what degree that message was heard. Well, uh, one of the messages that I'd like to see, and it's maybe not directly related, but in, you know, in, I had this conversation yesterday, and we were talking about the auto industry, and we were talking about the new hybrids that are coming out. And a comment was made, which was very interesting, especially in light of today's show, knowing that I would be speaking with you. And the question was made, a comment was made, is that, yes, you know, we're, we're making great, great leeway. But what makes you think, Dr. Pat, that people can afford a forty or $50,000 hybrid car? And, you know, that's a very good question. And the question really drops the conversation to the level of, you know, given that we raise this level of awareness, people want to take action. What can we do, Roger? How can we help everyone to get a contingency moving forward that says saving the environment and being vocal is one thing, but creating opportunities for action so that we can implement things in our day-to-day life is equally important? What do you think about the comments that uh, folks have made to me about that issue? Well, there, there are two things they can do. One important thing is shaping public policy, and that doesn't cost anything uh, to do that. Everybody can can let their voices be heard, whether it's letters to the editors or, or letters to their congressman or phone calls to their congressman or wherever else, demanding reasonable public policy in this area. But I don't know. I it, It's true that, that sometime when you have new technological advances, a hybrid may cost a little bit more. A new car, a vehicle, always costs more than, than another, but you can still make wiser choices than they do uh, if you're asking if someone might ask you what makes you think people can afford a 40 or 40 40 45 thousand dollar hybrid uh, you know a lot of these people are spending 40 45 thousand dollars or more for an SUV oh my for, gosh for heaven's sakes I mean and that's the epitome of the vehicle that we shouldn't be driving at this in this day and age uh, to deal with this so if they can if they can just try to make wiser choices uh, for the community and and not and for the world and and for their own children. I mean, this is a legacy issue. Uh, one of the most important things I think that drive people is when they think about what kind of a world they're going to be leaving their own children and their children's children in the future. This is one of the biggest legacies we have, how you care for the environment, because that's what they're going to inherit, and that's going to influence how they can shape their life and what quality of life they have. And right now there is no bigger issue than global climate change that's going to impact their children and grandchildren and the children and grandchildren of their friends than dealing with global warming. That's worth a little bit of sacrifice on their part if it means simply that they don't want to, to, to that, that they can't drive the, the vehicle that they would really like to drive, this big muscle SUV or something like that, and they have to drive something more sensible. They ought to think about the fact that they're doing it for their children and future generations. And that's really the key to so much of what we're talking about. You know, tell us, you know, Roger, and I want to thank you so much for joining the show today. For those of you just tuning in or have been picking this up here and there, I want to say that my very special guest today is Roger Schlickheisen, President of Defenders of Wildlife. Very important website for you to put in your favorites, for you to visit often, and that is defenders.org. Lots of information. Roger, as you move forward now, as you look at what's really on your platform, what can you say defenders will be primarily focusing on and how can people find out more and how to support you? 
Well, we're going to be focusing in large part uh, on global climate change, uh, and, the, and since we're, our our, impa- our uh, mission is to protect wildlife, we're going to be looking at it especially from the aspect of what uh, what impact global climate change will have on wildlife. Humans think about it in, in terms of their own choices, uh, but if, if you really want to, if you really want to scare yourself about what this means, think about the choices that global warming means for wildlife that don't have any place to go or they can't change their life form. Think about the polar bears that are up along our, our Arctic coastline or the Canadian coastline uh, when they have ice flows that are melting and there's no place for them to go and they actually drown. Polar bears actually drown there. And that's just you know, that's just one symbolic picture of the kind of problems we have for wildlife all across the country. So we'll be focusing a great deal on, on that and people can find out more about that and, and visiting our web, website and the kind of things that they can do to help. But the other thing we're going to be doing is that the battle hasn't stopped. We still have a Bush administration that is incredibly bad on conservation issues. And one of the things our groups do, our group does, and it's not as glamorous as some of these other things, but we're in the courts constantly uh, trying to force this administration to follow the law. Uh, and we probably win 90% of our lawsuits. Uh, and the ones we don't win, it's simply because the courts tend to give deference to the federal agencies if it's a close call. Uh, but they are willfully violating the law left and right and have been doing it for six years. And so we're often in, in court with them. Uh, our other kinds of activities are we're the groups that, uh, they were the group that helped bring wolves back into Yellowstone. A lot of people know about that. We're also the group that, that tries to make life easy for the ranchers that are in the area where wolves are, whether it's in Idaho or Montana or Wyoming or down in the southwest, because we're the ones that pay the ranchers if they lose cattle uh, to wolf depredation. And so we need funding for our compensation fund so that we can we can uh, keep these ranchers, if not happy, at least uh, at least uh, satisfied that someone's looking after their problems as we bring an important creature back to the ecosystem to make the Yellowstone ecosystem as healthy as it can be. But there are problems and projects uh, as far as the eye can see and as far as you can count, and you can find out about all of these. Uh, on our website. One thing I'd like to mention, Pat, is that in our conversation we've kind of bounced back and forth between our conservation efforts and our political efforts, and I just want to make sure that people understand that these are two separate entities. They're affiliated, uh, but uh, but the IRS makes it very clear that we have to keep our, our conservation work, our charitable conservation work, and our political work separate. So when you refer people to the Defenders, uh, uh, Defenders website, www.defenders. Org, that's the charitable entity, and the political entity is www.defendersactionfund.org. They're two separate entities. They're two separate entities, and there's a lot of information on both of them. I know for me, I'm very proud of my, my backpack. <laughs> I'm very proud of my backpack uh, and uh, in all of the things that you're doing. I, I think that for those of you that want to find out more, again, Roger, let's give out those websites because those are two separate entities, and it's very important to know that. Well, it's www.defenders.org and www.defendersactionfund.org. And given that we're coming into the holiday season, if people are in the gift buying mood, one of the way you can help ways you can help our organization and help wildlife is to go on to the defenders.org website and sign up uh, uh, for as a membership and get a little plush wolf toy that might even howl at you 
and give it to some child that you know or just keep it for yourself because it's a cute thing. It's absolutely wonderful. Thank you, Roger, so much. Thank you all for listening to this show. Again, make sure that you check it out, Defenders.org, and be mindful of what's going on around you. Until next week, this is Dr. Pat Basile wishing you all of the best, and we'll be right back here next week. And for Roger Schlickheisen and Defenders of the Wildlife, we want to say we love you and continue to do the work you do. Thank you, Pat. Thank you for listening to The Dr. Pat Show, radio to thrive by. To contact Dr. Pat, visit thedrpatshow.com. Tune in next Tuesday for another dynamic hour of The Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile.